man comes to his pastor and he's totally distraught and he says pastor i did it again and the pastor looked at him and said what happened and he says you know i just went and drank myself silly and i got drunk again this last week and the pastor said hey we talked about this I told you when you're going you know and he's got to pass through this place and you probably heard this story before but he says when you get to that place and you find you know you go and walking through that or walking by that pub or that whatever's out there he says remember to pray as you walk there and he says pastor and i prayed as i went up there but i still found myself at the door and then he says i told you what to say you know just say when you tempted like that he said get thee behind me satan and he said yes i did that pastor and that's what happened exactly he got behind me and pushed me through the door <laughs> i want us to look at what what we can easily consider man's oldest problem because it goes all the way back to creation actually we all will eventually face it sometimes even when you know what's right when you know what's right to do it's still difficult to resist and to go and talk about temptation and the i've i've talked my i mean uh, titled my sermon this morning the battle in your mind winning the battle over temptation or the battle of temptation Oscar Wilde once said I can withstand anything except temptation the only way to get rid of that temptation is to give in to it This morning if you have your bibles turn with me to James chapter 1 and we're going to go through verses 12 the next few verses verses 12 through 18 James chapter 1 verses 12 through 18 I'm reading from the NIV first. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted no one should say God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death don't be deceived my dear brothers every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of heavenly lights who does not change like like shifting shadows He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The Bible talks about two kinds of testing and I need to get that in the background before we get into this uh, passage a little more. The two kind of testing and sometimes it's called trials and sometimes it's called temptation. and quite often the same word in the greek is used for both of them so there are trials and then there are temptations but very often the context determines what it is the trials and temptations and you know sometimes a, a situation can be both actually right 
But this is the way to distinguish both of them. And I think this is very basic. And you need to know that trials are something, as you can say, that is sort of designed by God. You know, it's sort of, uh, he allows these things to happen for us to go through these trials. Because the main purpose of the trial is so that we grow in our faith. Temptations, on the other hand, are designed by the enemy. They're designed by the devil to trip us up and to cause us to sin. And so you always see this distinction in the Bible there. I want to read from the King James Version, just verse 12. The King James Version says, Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. There is a prize, there is a reward for enduring temptation. And it's really interesting how this, this verse is framed right there. Because in the, begin, in the beginning of verse, this is verse 12, it said, Blessed is the man. It's talking about enjoying the blessings of God. When we say no to temptation, we enjoy the blessings of God. And I like the way it, uh, it uh, closes out the verse because it explains the blessing in this particular context. The blessing is what? The crown of life. The crown of life. And of course, another translation, the literal translation is the wreath that they wore during the Olympics, right? That they had. It's that crown of life. But the implication is this, that you are victorious. That you are a conqueror. You have lived life at the highest. And James seems to suggest that when we overcome or withstand temptation, we begin to enjoy the blessings of God's life. And the blessing of God's life is abundance of life. Abundant life as such. And so the question that James addresses here, being as practical as he is, how do I handle temptation? And I have five principles that I've picked out from the book of James on handling temptation. Five principles. Number one, this is pretty obvious. We all are going to be tempted. We all are going to be tempted. It's just a fact of life. You will be tempted. I will be tempted. Every believer will be tempted. All of us will be tempted. No one is immune to temptation. Verse 13, it says, when tempted. Doesn't say if. It says, when tempted. It's just like trials, you know, temptations, the troubles we have in this world. It's the same way. Temptation is also, you can't have super spirit at all. I don't know if you've met a person, this super spiritual people. I thank God I haven't been tempted in years. And I sit there just shaking my head. It says, your temptation may be different from the rest of us, but you are always tempted. Every day, we are tempted. We'll never grow too old for temptation. It's just a reality of life that we all will be tempted. And please don't ever think that just because you're born again, you've passed the test and now you're not going to be tempted anymore. Because we have this tendency, because we know that we've, we, we have this tendency, tendency to think that now that we are saved we've arrived at something and so we fake it real well we pretend and put on this mask and we have this expression of how can someone who knows the lord do something like this 
we use that expression a lot, but the truth is we are tempted as well in our own way. And please do not limit temptation to sexual sin because we have the, uh, the temptation to do that. We need to be honest. We need to be genuine. We need to be humble about our spiritual walk because for one reason, when you do your super spiritual thing, it intimidates Christians who are younger in the faith. It intimidates these younger Christians because they think I can never be like that person because you put on that persona of being super spiritual. Why try it all? I can't be like that person. The truth is you are not bringing glory to Christ when you're portraying yourself as this super Christian. All you're doing is really becoming a stumbling block to someone who's growing in the faith. And we can't do that. Don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't try and hide it. Church is not a place we come to fake or pretend that we have it all together. Do you know how liberating it is to find out that there are other people who struggle too? That you are not the only one who struggles with whatever the situation is. So let's be real about it. Hebrews 4.15 it says, and listen to me, because I know a lot of people who beat themselves up. They said, man, I can't believe I thought about something like that. And they struggle with temptation in terms of they beat themselves up for being tempted. Now, being tempted is not a sin because Jesus himself was tempted. That is not the problem. The problem is when we give in to temptation. That's when it becomes sin. The sin is not being tempted. The sin is giving into temptation. Like I said, there are a lot of people who's like, I can't believe I had those kind of thoughts. As long as you're alive, the devil is always going to fill your thoughts with something or the other. You can't allow him to just take a hold. Those thoughts take a hold of your life. That's what it is about. Temptation simply proves that you're human, you're real. Temptation proves, like I said, that you're living in a real world with real problems. And it doesn't matter how young or how old a Christian you are, we will all be tempted. Again, please remember this. Being tempted is not the problem. We all will be tempted. Number two, the first principle that he talks about, it says when you are tempted. The second thing is take responsibility. Take responsibility. Man up. Accept responsibility. Don't blame others for your problems. We love to blame other people. And James in verse 13, he says, When tempted, no one should say, God is tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. God does not tempt. But we love to blame him for the problems we have. I read this somewhere, and I don't know if it's true, but Will Rogers said, You can summarize American history into two great movements. The passing of the buffalo and the passing of the buck. I don't know if it's true or not. I read it before once. But it's true. We as a society are, if I can use the word, growing in irresponsibility. And what do I mean by that? We all want our freedom, but with freedom comes responsibility, but we don't want that. We want freedom to do whatever we want to do without taking responsibility. And then when we come face to face with the consequences of our misused freedom, we don't own up. And so then we blame. It started all the way in the Garden of Eden. Adam, what happened? He said, I didn't do it. He blamed the woman. When he went to Eve, what did Eve say? I didn't do it. Blame the serpent. 
It's kind of interesting what Adam actually does. He says, this woman who you gave me. So he's actually blaming God for his problem. You read that scripture carefully. Blame society, blame the government, blame the environment, blame your ethnicity, blame your parents, blame your spouse, blame the devil, blame God. As long as you don't have to be responsible. It always amazes me, even in the church, how when things go good, and time and time again I see this, when things go good, we take credit for ourselves, but when things go bad, we mess, we say, God, why did you allow this to happen to me? And we blame God for the problems that we are in. I know a guy who told me that God told him to leave his wife and marry this other woman who was a little older than him. Not a little, a lot older than him. And she actually prophesied that. And I'm like, you're not reading the same word of God I do. But that was pretty convenient to blame God, right? We spiritualize things very often. When we make a mistake and want to do our own thing, we say, oh, the Lord told me to do this. Because as soon as you drop that word, that phrase, the Lord told you, all of us have to shut up. Because if we challenge that, then you question our spirituality. Oh, you're not spiritual enough to listen to the Lord. That's just an excuse we use. Let's be real. We use that as an excuse sometimes. The Lord told me to do this when it's all about you and you doing what you want to do. God is not going to tell you to do one thing when the Bible says something else. Let me tell you that. That's the word of, this is the word of God. It does not change. So anything that contradicts the word of God, you have to question. I will question it. You need to question it. We need to question it. So don't blame God and don't blame other people because it's just a simple sign of immaturity. The fact is, this is the truth. Most of the problems we get into are caused by our own self. By the decisions and the choices we make. If we want to get out of a situation that has held us in bondage for a long time, the first thing we really need to do is realize that we all will be tempted, but then own up to it. Take responsibility. Quit making excuses and blaming people. Number three. Says God will not tempt me. The third one he says is to be prepared to face it. Be prepared to face it. It's learn how, how temptation works. And in the next few verses, he talked about it. How do we face temptation? It's by being ready, by being prepared to face it. Peter says, be on your guard. Jesus himself says, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Paul says, put on the whole armor of God. The whole idea of putting on armor is to be ready. So that we are not deceived, we are not, that we are prepared for the attack of the enemy. And that's what he says we need to be. Verse 14, it says, But each one is tempted by his own evil desires. He's dragged away and enticed. The first thing that we say that temptation, the truth is temptation does not give you an advance warning. Call you up and tell you he's coming. That's why we need to be ready at all times. We can't take the armor right for a little while and take time out. There is no time out when it comes to life. We got to be on our guard. Temptation comes very often when we're most vulnerable. Because we let our guard down. We've just, you know, think about it. When do we normally let our guard down? And there's two real situations. One, when we've just had a tremendous success. Or the second one is when we are at a really low point in our life. Because just when we've had this big success, we think we are invincible. 
and we let our guard down. Or if we're really at a low point in our life, we just don't care anymore. That's when the devil's going to strike. That's when he attacks. Because the Bible says, let him who what, thinks that he is strong to be careful. Why? Because lest he fall. So we need to be on our guard at all times. I was reading the story of Bobby Leach. How many of you know who Bobby Leach is? The guy who, uh, the second person to go down Niagara Falls in a barrel. And so it says he went down this barrel. He broke a few bones but was perfectly fine in a few weeks. He was totally fine. But a couple of years later, he slipped on an orange peel. Broke his leg and died a few weeks later from complications from slipping on an orange peel. And I was reading that and I said, very often it's the small things in life that really get us. Because the big things we prepared for better. But the small things, something as small as an orange peel. Be ready. Don't be deceived. How do we prepare for temptation? We need to know how the devil operates. We need to know how the enemy is going to come in and what he's going to do. And let me tell you this. It's been the same from the beginning of time. It starts with desire. He showed woman the fruit and he, she saw what? She desired it because it looked good. Desire is where it starts, right there. He says, verse 14, But each one of us is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he's dragged away and enticed. Desire, it's an inside job, let me tell you that. It's an inside job. Most desires are okay. Because you couldn't live without desire, desire to eat, a desire to drink, a desire to sleep, a desire, a sexual desire or desire to accomplish something. God gives us desires, but what the devil really does well is take something that God meant for good and distort it. Distort it and make it something that will trip us up. Something that's so routine, he distorts. legitimate desires when they're out of control that's when they become a problem someone said temptation is like a like steel in a magnet there's an inward and an outward part there's an outward circumstance but there's an inward drive and desire if it wasn't for the inward desire you would never be tempted Temptation, it starts on the inside. Desire is that fulfillment. Often it's the fulfillment of a legitimate desire in the wrong way at the wrong time. It starts with desire. That's how he comes in. The second step, you see, right there. Then after desire has conceived. Where was I? Okay, evil desire. He's dragged away and enticed. He's dragged away and enticed. Tempted by his own desire, he's dragged away and enticed. And the second step is deception. The whole idea of being dragged away and enticed is using a hunting and a fishing term right there. Those are the word pictures that you get as soon as you read that sentence. Because dragged away is the idea of a hunter, something trapped in a net. You know, they lay this trap out for this animal. They cover, they have like a, uh, they'll dig a big old ditch, put something on top of that. And then this animal comes through and it's trapped. And now that it's in a net, it's dragged away. That's the idea he gives. And then the same thing when he talks about enticed. Enticed is a fishing term. Where you're lured by a bait. I mean, we know the secret to great fishing is to have the right bait for the right fish. 
Let me tell you, the devil customizes his bait for you. He knows what's going to get you. He knows your heart button as such. He knows your weakness. He knows you inside and out. He knows you better than you know yourself sometimes. That's the honest truth. Because you think you can, but he knows you can't. He knows what's going to get you going. He knows what ticks you off, you know. He knows when you will fall and for what you will fall. And he's going to dangle that thing in front of you. Crazy thing is a lot of people see the hook, but we still try and nibble at that thing, thinking we can get the most without getting hooked. And I've had people tell me straight to my face, Pastor said, you need to back off. I got this. I know what my limit is. And I back off, but I pray for them because I know it's just a moment of time before they're going to get hooked. Deception, that's what he's the best at. Desire leads to deception. It starts in your head. It's like standing at that edge of the pool. He gets you to that pool. You're standing at the edge of the pool and now you dabble with it, play with it, stick your toes in it. It's in your head. It's not too bad. If sin was bad, you'd never do it. You know your limit, but soon enough, before you really know it, you're totally swamped and enveloped with this. Temptation. Always looks better than it really is, church. Same thing with sin. It always promises more, never delivers. Desire turns into deception, and deception turns into disobedience. That's the next one, he says. Each one is tempted by his own evil desire. He is dragged away and enticed. And then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Sin is disobedience from what God has called us to do. It conceives after desire comes deception. After deception is that action going ahead and doing what you were thinking about. Imagination, that's where the battle starts. He gets your attention. Once he gets your attention, you start thinking about it. And then your attitude towards it changes. Once your attitude changes, then you commit the action. What's the danger in harmless fun? That's where it all starts. Harmless. When it starts in your mind, it eventually comes out in your life. Why give the devil a foothold? Why give the devil a foothold? Because it begins in your imagination. Someone said, what you flirt with, you will fall for. Think about this for a minute. The whole purpose of ads that we see on TV, billboard, or on Facebook, or whatever, what are they appealing to? Your mind. Because as soon as they get your attention, then you start thinking about it. Maybe if I do buy Axe deodorant and put it, all these women will start running after me. <laughs> we fall for things like that. The only reason, if ads did not work, that whole industry would be useless. Because what are they doing? Appealing to your mind, your senses, you appeal to it. And once you think about it a little more, then you're going to go out and do it. That's the same way with how the devil works. He starts with desire, desire. It leads from desire. It leads to uh, desire. Sorry. Deception. Deception leads to disobedience. And the lastly, sin, when full grown, it says, verse 15, sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. 
That's the ultimate purpose. Separating you from God. Separating you from God. That is the tragic consequence of giving into a thought. Giving into a thought. You lose the battle in your mind and you're going to lose the battle in the end. If you overcome temptation, you get the crown of life. If you don't, it's death. Separation from God. Again, if you've been in church long enough and been here, I've said this so many times. We are free to choose any way we want to live. I could choose any way I want to live. You can choose whichever way you want to live. God has given us that freedom. He will never take that away. But as much freedom as we have to choose, we don't have a choice when it comes to the consequences of those choices. We don't get to choose the consequences. I'm free to make my choices. But I can't choose their consequences. An ultimate consequence is death. It's not about scaring people from heaven to, I mean, from hell to heaven or anything of that sort. But the reality of heaven and hell, the reality that death means not just physical death, it means an eternal separation from God, is something we need to think about seriously. Eternal separation from God. In order to overcome temptation, in order to break these things that have bound us for so long, we've got to be honest and admit that we have a problem. We've got to take responsibility, quit blaming others, quit making excuses. We've got to be prepared by knowing how the enemy works, how he works, how he gets into our minds, gets us thinking, and then gets us to doing something else. And now look at verse, it says, verse 16, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Talks about temptation and all death. And he says, don't be deceived. And then verse 17. Every good and perfect gift is coming. It's from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Who does not change like shifting shadows. It's kind of interesting that he, all of a sudden, it's like he forgot what he was talking about and changes gears totally. He's been talking about all this negative stuff. And all of a sudden, he says, no, now I'm going to focus on God and his goodness. That's the way to overcome temptation. Redirect your thoughts. You need to change the focus your attention. If temptation begins in your inner thoughts, you need to change the way you think immediately. It's so sudden that change. All of a sudden he's talking about all this negative thing and all of a sudden he turns and he talks about every good and perfect gift coming from God. Redirect your thoughts. Refocus, realign the way you think. Instead of looking at what you are being tempted by, look somewhere else. Philippians 4 verse 8 says, think on these things, things that are good, positive, just, honest. Focus your mind on God's goodness. Why do we do this? Because the more we fight the feeling, the weaker we get. Let me say this. The more we fight the feeling, the weaker we get. But when we focus on Christ, then the feeling gets weaker. Get your eyes off the negative and get your eyes on the goodness of God. If we are chronic people who have chronic worry syndrome, 
is because they're not focusing on the goodness of God. We use this cliche in church, whatever gets your attention gets you. It's a cliche, but it's so true. Don't just resist. Oftentimes, you need to stop fighting and refocus your attention on Christ. Stop fighting. Focus on what, on what you want. Focus on the goodness of God. Focus on the fact that you are alive. Focus on scripture that says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice. It's a choice we make. I will rejoice. It's something deliberate. It's a conscious, something we do consciously, intentionally. When it comes, and it comes and gets easier with practice. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the importance of memorizing scriptures because the temptation doesn't come when you're reading a Bible. That you can turn to something and look at it. One of the, one of the benefits of memorizing scripture is that when you face temptation, you can think and reflect on scripture. Amen. Get God's word into your minds and that will help you refocus. Quit fighting the feeling because you can't fight the feeling all the time. It will wear you out. Instead of fighting the feeling, focus on God and his word. Amen. Don't try to argue with the devil someone said because he's a lot better at winning an argument. I thought that's true. Redirecting your thoughts may sometimes mean moving your physical self out of that situation. Removing yourself from that situation. If you don't want to get burnt, don't play with fire. Maybe you need to change that channel. Maybe you need to walk out of that movie theater. Maybe you need to change jobs too. Because what you fill your mind with will get you. The devil never fights fair, church. He ain't going to give up. You got to remove yourself from that situation. Walk out. I mean, the Bible says bad company corrupts morals, right? Corrupts good character. Be careful who we hang out with, who you hang out with. Because they have an influence on the way you think. Because you may be sitting there and may not be even involved in that conversation, but you're going to hear stuff later on. The devil is going to bring that to your mind, and then you're going to meditate on that stuff. That stuff is going to drag you down. What you need to do is redirect it to God's word. My friend up in Blaine, Washington, our best friend, John Landis, he's a cop. And uh, he got radically saved. And one of the things he had to do is cut off totally from his old circle. Totally cut off. Cut off cable from his house. Cut off the internet. He had to radically change his life. God changed his heart. But he said, in order for me to win and live life, I need to make these drastic changes. And sometimes beating temptation is making drastic changes. Because whatever fills your mind will get you. Whatever gets your attention will get you. Verse 18, it says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruit of all that he created. You want to beat temptation, you got to learn to give up total control first. You've got to learn to be born again. That's what he's talking about. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. It's talking about being born again. The only way to get control of your life is to give up control to the one and only Savior. 
That's the only way you will get control. The single most important principle in breaking the chains that have bound you for so long is giving up control to the one who can save you. Giving up control into him. Get him in your life and he starts changing you from the inside out. Being born again means simple. The Holy Spirit begins to live and reside inside of you. And when he lives inside of you, he gives you the strength to overcome. Because the honest truth is we don't have enough willpower to overcome temptation. What we need is the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That is the supernatural power we get when Christ lives in us. The Holy Spirit makes his residence in us. And he gives us the strength to overcome. Christ in your heart. The Holy Spirit in your lives. I'm not talking about, please don't get me wrong here. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about just talking in tongues right there. I'm talking about a life that is totally submitted to the Holy Spirit living inside of you. To be filled, your life be filled with the Holy Spirit means you are totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Totally surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to control you. Control you no matter what. Again, you will not be able to say no to temptation until you first say yes to God. Yes to His Holy Spirit. You need to redirect your attention and focus on God. Give up control to the Holy Spirit. That's how we beat temptation. When is the last time you stopped to think about the most vulnerable situation in your life? What is your weak spot? Because the devil knows it for sure. God knows it. The devil knows it. If you don't know it, you need to pray and ask God to show it to you. Because it's not rational to put yourself in a situation where you know that you're going to fall. When you know you're going to be tempted. Be realistic about your problem. Where do I lack self-control? Is it my temper? Is it my appetite? Is it my spending? Is it my words? Is it my drinking or drugs or my lustful thoughts? Again, let's not reduce temptation to the sexual sin. Because scripturally, sexual sins are as detestable to God as gluttony, slander, greed, pride. What is the area that Satan knows is your heart button as such? Figure it out. Go to God. Admit it. God, I know this is an area in my life I need you to come and take control of. I love 1 Corinthians 10.13. It says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. I love that promise. Because I know some people have come to, to me and said that temptation was way too strong. I couldn't resist it. And I says, yes, because you're trying on your own. Because you're trying it on your own. That's the enemy. That's the lie the enemy wants you to believe that you can't do it. You can't resist it. But the Bible says he won't give you. Tem- send temptation your way unless he sets you a path to get out of it too. A way out of it too. Please don't be beaten up because you're trying too hard on your own. 
Allow God. That's what the Bible says. Allow God. Trust Him. Give up control. Because here's the good news. That there is hope through temptation. He will provide a way so that you can stand up under it. What are you fighting today? Truth is this. You can pray that prayer. Lead us not into temptation. But it is not effective if you still stand in this part waiting to be tempted. It's a cooperation there. You pray, but you've got to take the initiative also to go out and get yourself out of that situation. In conclusion, let me finish with these two points. Here's the challenge. A couple of resources that we have. Number one is fellowship with other Christians and accountability. Accountability, we hate that word. But let me tell you, that is a sure way of beating temptation. Let me say this and say this with humility. You will not make it on your own without the fellowship of other Christians. We will never beat the enemy by ourselves. He will pick us off one by one if you don't fellowship with others. Stay accountable. We are not meant to fight this battle by, by ourselves. Get involved. Surround yourselves with Christian friends. Get involved in a Bible study or small group. Find a place that you feel is safe and share with some friends. And as you begin to share, you realize that there are others in the same boat that you are. And it encourages you because you're encouraging one another to pursue after Christ. Fellowship with other Christians. And the second thing, which is probably the most powerful thing, get into God's word. There is no substitute for God's word. All the good books on 12 steps to get out of whatever. All those are great books. People with great advice are great. But they are not a substitute for God's word. They are not a substitute for what God has to say. This is our secret weapon. He says this is the word of truth. And the Bible says what sets you free? The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. Fill your mind with this book. Study it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. And it will set you free. Fill your life, church, with the word of God. What's the payoff again? Going back to the first verse. Blessed. When you fight and beat temptation through God's power, through his word, through fellowshipping with other Christians, then we begin to enjoy the blessings of Christ. The blessing is living life in abundance. Living life abundantly. That's when you enjoy the life that he has promised to those who love him. A crown which he has promised to those who love him. Bow your heads with me at this time. Again, James is so practical. He talks about temptation and so practical because each one of us, the truth is, each one of us will be tempted. I always use the saying, if it could happen to David, it can happen to anybody. We're never going to be immune. No matter how long we've been Christians, we will never be immune from temptation. 
Let me tell you, Satan tailor makes, custom makes temptation for you. It's just the truth. If you're struggling with alcohol, he isn't going to tempt you with lust. If you're struggling with lust, he isn't going to tempt you with money. He knows what's what's going to trip you up. What are you struggling with today? What is that area of life that has been bothering you for a while now? It's a weakness and you find yourself right there and you don't know what to do and you just give in. God. Come to the Lord and tell him, Lord, you know what it is, God. I can't do it on my own, God. I will never make it on my own. I need you. I need the Holy Spirit living in me that transforms my life. God, maybe it's just this temptation to not make up my mind. Maybe it's the temptation to worry about things that I can't control. Maybe it's the temptation to always be sarcastic and be quick with my words. Maybe the temptation to be insensitive to others. Or the temptation to be selfish, envious, greed, pride. But I don't know what it is, church, but just time for you to just lay it on the altar before the Lord because he loves you he's never going to condemn you never will he condemn you but if you come to him he will change your life God I want to be realistic about the struggles I have in my life too God take a moment to just reflect on it because the devil has one job to trip you up he's been doing it from when god created man he's not going to quit right now what are the things you're willing to compromise just to get your own way Let me challenge you now. Give it to the Lord. Give it to him. God, I need victory and the abundance of life that comes when I overcome temptation. Church it starts by giving up total control. If you say your life is out of control, let me tell you this. you'll get it back in control when you give up control to him total surrender every area of my life god is yours lord every area of my life i surrender to you god thank you jesus stand with us as we sing this song